You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots, brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chairman, Captain Chris Lee. My guest today is Captain Bob Checky, who represents the Anchorage-based pilots as the Council 79 Chairman and Block 9 Representative. Thanks for coming. Hey, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Talk a little bit about your background before you came to FedEx and what you've been doing since you've been at FedEx. Well, I was 20-25 and a left eye, so that kept me out of being able to fly in our military. So I, I did it the civilian route, flight instructed, chartered, that typical route. Flew night freight for a company out of South Florida, and I would hear the Flying Tiger call sign, and I would hear the Express call sign. I knew I wanted to fly for one of those. I went back to college to finish my four-year degree. And I was able to get uh, hired at FedEx on the ramp in uh, August of 1988. Once there, I found out that if you met the qualifications, it was a guaranteed interview. And I met them, so I got it. Didn't make the cut the first time. They said, this is your employee. You can come back in a year. The economy turned down, and so I was flying for a commuter during the day, and I was working the ramp in Seattle by night. I finally was able in August of 92 to move from the ramp to the backseat of a 727 based in Oakland, California. I was there until 95-ish. Right at that point, the company uh, closed Los Angeles, Oakland, and Newark bases. And I received a letter saying, you can go to Subic Bay in the Philippines, you can go to uh, Anchorage, Alaska, or you can come to Memphis. And it took me about that amount of time reading the letter to say, okay, I'm newly married, Subic is out, I want to go to Anchorage. And so I was in the second to last excess group in, in Oakland. I went to Zurich for my MD-11 training at Swiss Air. I arrived there the day after Thanksgiving, had a week off at Christmas, went back, and on Valentine's Day, I was activated to Anchors as an MD-11 first officer. Flew with some amazing old silver and purple guys. I learned a lot. I learned so much. And I became a captain on the MD-11 in the summer of 2003. What can you tell the pilots about your previous unit experience? I was the second officer representative in, in Oakland under Alpha 1. It was Council 98. What made you want to get involved in volunteering at the Union? Volunteerism was always it was instilled in me, I think, from a young age. My mom was a full-time stay-at-home housewife. My dad was a, a postal clerk. We lived in the more economically challenged area of Seattle, racially balanced, ethnically balanced. I was about eight, and my mom uh, looked around and saw some of the... Uh, the poverty and the way people were living and said, this isn't right. She was from England. She wasn't American. She decided to, uh, she founded a free uh, food bank and a free medical clinic, volunteer doctors and nurses and lab technicians and pharmacists and the whole bit. And she retired from that when she was 80. So I, I think that's where, where it must have come from, or a large portion of it did. How do you see your role as an MEC representative? I represent in Anchorage. I really represent everyone in Alpha. But the people I directly represent are seniority number 50 to about 5,100 in Anchorage, the full gamut, which is really great. You see the whole picture. One of the beauties of this representational system we inherited with the FPA merger is Memphis is represented from top all the way to bottom. There's no inside click. Every group is represented. I just, and Todd and George, my compatriots in Anchorage, we just try to uh, alleviate any concerns our constituents have. We try to engage them. We try to inform them. People have to be informed. People have to, uh, you have to get involved. We are in negotiation now. And this is a time that everyone needs to step up. If nothing else, be aware of the time frame we're in now. There'll be times when people are too busy to do union work. And that's fine. 
People have families, people have lives. At some point in one's career, I think it would be good to pay it back or pay it forward. You mentioned we're in contract negotiations now. Talk some about your role sitting at the table, interacting with the officers, negotiating committee, and other union volunteers. My role is to obviously represent Anchorage and to work as smoothly with the officers and the negotiating committee. And the officers and the three negotiating committee members, in my opinion, are the six finest people I've ever seen since I've been active in the union in their positions at one time. I think they're hitting on all cylinders, both the officers and the negotiating committee. My job is to give them input from the people I represent. And my job is to stand up to represent my people to them. I get quite a few phone calls from people saying, wouldn't it be great if we could have this? Wouldn't it be great if we could have that? So you can come through me or, you know, if, if you see something in the field that you need change, DART's a great way to, to do it. If you're upset with a company, fill out an insight. Copy it to a DART. If you don't uh, let us know, we're not going to know. And now that we are in negotiations, I have always hated that us and them. I like to say it's a marriage. We each have to decide what side of the family we want to come down on. There is no middle ground anymore. While we're in negotiations, your actions are going to speak louder than words. And I just hope that everyone that hears this gets behind their block rep, their brothers and sisters, and their union. As one of the longer-serving block reps we have at the table, how do you see the pilot's role during contract negotiations? The pilot's role is critical. Most pilots on the property here are uh, retired, former, or current military in, in some form or another. The retired military pilots, the last direct order they took was when their last day of service, they said, you are dismissed, and they saluted, and they turned and walked away to civilian life. Your MEC chairman or your block rep is not going to say to you, Chris, go take that hill. doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. The membership is going to drive how we end up. The MEC, the block reps, are the tip of the spear. That tip is being pushed by the membership. And we have many pilots who have been hired here at FedEx who have maybe not been through negotiations at all, uh, much less one with FedEx. Which, if you think about it, is, is amazing. I mean, the, the, the progression that these pilots are going to have is absolutely insane. My new higher seniority number is 2265. I'm 385 now. That's one of those numbers you never forget, your new hire number. It took me 20 years to move 1,000 numbers. The young man I'm flying with on this trip, he's been here four years. He's 39 years old. Academy, uh, Raptor, pilot, I mean, top of the class. He's going to have an amazing career here. The potential here is absolutely amazing. The Anchorage base is growing. Can you talk to the pilots some about that? The company's adding 777s to Anchorage. We're doubling in size. Right now, I think with the close of the bid, the numbers were 145 to 150 MD-11 pilots and roughly the same uh, 777 pilots. So it's a growing base. It's going to be one council. We'll still have the one vote, and we'll still be representing the whole gamut, which is really cool. Typically, small base domiciles are a pretty tight community. Yeah, we're a flying club. We like to call ourselves the Far North Flyers, and we're a flying club. It's a base feel. We have functions together. We have picnics. We have gatherings. At Christmas time, the Carmens have a party. The house fills up. Rose and Matt Coburn do the hospital runs. They're in charge of all that. They'll do the three big hospitals in the Anchorage area. It's a family. 
we look after each other. We call each other up. How you doing? All our calendars are open so we can see if they're in town. You know, it would just, you know, it, it's, it, it's wonderful. So I imagine as the base grows, you're going to want to protect that small community feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be the same, just a little bit bigger. It will be the largest outbase. It will be the gorilla of the outbases as far as I think there'll be 310 votes in Anchorage. Well, Bob, thanks so much for coming. Any final thoughts? Well, we live in a time of unease. Those of us in the international system, we're seeing the world through windows. When I was in uh, Sydney, used to bid Sydney a lot, and they would give me a room with a view of the uh, heat riser and the office on the other side. Now I get a view of, of the opera house and the bridge, and I ask them, please give me a room with a view of the heat riser and the dumpsters because I can't go there. These are tough times. Look after each other. It's very easy, actually, to um, get run down now. So take care of yourselves, whether you're flying domestically or flying internationally. And not only take care of yourself, but take care of each other because no one else is going to do it. The company's not going to do it. They are going to smile at you. They are going to thank us up one side and down the other. I am so tired of the platitudes. Show me. Don't just say it. Show me. Well, thanks, Bob. And thanks for listening. If you have any questions, go to fdx.alpa.org and utilize the DART link. And as always, be safe out there and we'll see you next time. <laughs>